Shalom. Welcome to the Jewish Spotlight. Next 30 minutes, we're just going to have a great time here. And we're going to have some real musical entertainment. We're going to find out a little bit about what goes on inside the mind of somebody who's really an international superstar in the world of Jewish music and Hasidic music. Without further ado, I want to do what the MCs, I'm sure, of a lot of your concerts do. And here is Avram Fried. Applause, applause, everybody. <laughs> Avram, how are you doing? Baruch Hashem, That's nice good. to be here. It's a pleasure to have Wonderful. you with us. It's been a long time. I really thank you for coming on to the show. My pleasure. And I want to just ask you a couple of questions. I know you've been doing this for a long time. In fact, I remember it must have been maybe about 20 years old, and I was in Stony Brook in 1978-79. Does that sound about the right year? Don't remind me. <laughs> so, Many years ago. So somebody said, listen, I have a young student, and he's a great, got a great voice. I want him to come out, and he'll sing for you for Purim. I said, fine. Is it going to cost me anything? He said, no, he'll come out for free. Just, he's looking for the practice. I'll pay you. <laughs> Those days I was paying you to sing. Huh? <laughs> so he came out. He was a, an accordionist, or he had a, a piano, whatever. Any case, we had a great time, and you were fantastic. You were standing there straight as a bullet and just singing, but your voice was pure and beautiful, and it really made a tremendous impression on the students. And, of course, from that point on, Avramel has gone on. How many albums do you have now? Uh, 24 is in the making. 24 is in the making. And these are albums that have literally spread all over the Jewish world, and you have been all over the Jewish world. You've traveled perhaps in every single major and minor Jewish community in the whole world. I, I do feel very blessed that practically wherever there's a Jewish community, I've, uh, I've performed there. Now, let me ask you a question. What are some of the communities that touched you on a personal level, that your performance there really meant something to you? It wasn't just getting up on a stage and, and playing. It was something where you really felt there was an effect that you were having or, or, or you were just so touched by the way people were in, in that audience. That's, that's an easy question. Okay, good. Two, two uh, places come to mind. Number one, in 1989, I was invited to come sing in Russia. In 89? In 89, which was just about, you know, when it was getting better. Right. But it was still pretty scary. And uh, I sang in Russia in the Kremlin. Unbelievable. It was a Hanukkah evening. I remember that. A Hanukkah ceremony. I remember that concert. And um, I had the good, the good fortune to perform in front of 7,000 people. In the 7, Kremlin, seven thousand people in the Kremlin. Seven thousand people in the Kremlin. I think the main thing there wasn't the, you know, the number of people that came, but the place for a Hasidic concert to take place in the Kremlin. As a matter of fact, a week later the Kremlin fell in. So your so concert was the cause. That's it. We did it. We brought it down. <laughs> we brought the we brought the house down. You can say. But you must have had so much emotions yeah, doing that, that was, at the time. That was that was amazing. That was pretty amazing. The other one that comes to mind is um, probably the biggest show I've ever done. It was uh, Sukkot time in Israel. There were over 200,000 people. 200,000 people? Yeah. So 7,000. See, it doesn't, doesn't scare me anymore. Wait, where did you fit 200,000 people? Gan Saker. Really? Yerushalayim, a big outdoor, big park. That must have been in the, just enthralling. Well, that was, that was amazing. Just, you couldn't see the, the end of the people. The, the sky and the people just met. And that was, um, that was pretty amazing. I mean, in Israel, your name is known all over the place, of course. I know you go to Israel quite often, especially these days with what's going on in Israel. When you perform there, when you go to Hebron, when you go to the West Bank, when you, you see the faces and the, you try to give hope and instill some type of faith in the future for these people, I'm sure you go there, you feel a mission when you sing for them. You know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to, to be able to see and feel the power of music. And Tell us about I, it. I'm fortunate to really, in the last few months, I've been to Israel several times, as a matter of fact, I had to go back one time for a show that was canceled because on that particular day, there was a terrible attack and the police wouldn't allow the show to go on. So I flew back home and came back a week later. 
to do the show. And my first thing I said after I did the first few songs was, I'm amazed that there are thousands of people in the audience who came out to the show. As I was expecting to see three people in the audience, you know, everyone's, you know, staying home and not going out. Not so I said that, you know, they're hurting us and they're they're punishing us and they're they're killing us, but they can't take our our song away. And people came out and there was dancing in the aisles. Unbelievable! I, I really felt that in the last few months, after performing in Israel hundreds of times, this was the most special because I could see people come in. At the beginning, they were. You know, a little timid, a little held back, a little, you know. And as the songs kept coming and the words and the inspiration and the, the, the encouragement, they were dancing in the aisle at the end of the night. Really? So, so for people in that situation especially, with the pressure they have in Israel, to be able to let go like that and to feel that pure joy, it's just it's a gift that you're really giving them. It was very humbling, very humbling experience. Very nice. You know, before we go on, I want our audience to be able to get an idea of a little of your song and how you do touch lives, not just in terms of, uh, of 200,000 people, but I want to show a small snip from a, a concert that you did where you touched a lot of lives. And I think everybody will be able to see the types of lives that Avram Feed touched. It was at a concert for special children. Maybe you can just give us a little introduction before we show that there's part an, of the concert. There's an organization called the Moses and Aaron Foundation. And they're very unique. They do a show once or twice a year in the New York area. And the guests of honor are several thousand specially challenged children. That's great. It's amazing. And their parents come and... and uh, Is it many children with Down syndrome and all, mental all, illness, all emotional illness? All, all, all kinds of all terrible... Types of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All kinds of terrible things. And you see the, the joy of the kids. Well, listen. for itself. I think it's, it's a gift that God gave you and you're just sharing that gift with everybody else. So let's take a look and see if we can appreciate a little bit of how you're touching those lives.
Right. Well, that was, I understand, the conclusion of a concert that you had at Jacob Javis Center in front of 2,000 people? Yeah, the end song was Chazak, which is usually the finale, which means uh, be strong and fight on. All right. I'm sure you lifted up the spirits of a lot of the kids there. I, I, see, I saw this now. I haven't seen this in a while. It's, it's very touching to see those kids, and they know, they know the songs. These they, are mostly they, for religious children? All kinds. All kinds of children all from kinds, all backgrounds. All backgrounds. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Maybe you could uh, help us and give us also a little bit of a personal a song. What do you say? A song? A song. A little song. A little song. Chitty bim, chitty bum. What should I sing? What should I sing? I'll tell you one of my favorite songs. Oh, let's, have, let's have a request. <laughs> you came out with a song, My Fellow Jew. Yeah, it's a beautiful, recording. beautiful song. It's a very meaningful message. I'm sure you put a lot of thought into the message, and it's very uplifting. Just the words itself. I know we don't have a seven-piece band to go with you, but if you could do that for us, I think it'll give everybody a little bit of appreciation because from the tape, it's a little bit uh, busy over there, and we don't really get a full sense for that. Could you mind? I'll, hey, you know what? <laughs> I never say no. You know, so, uh, <laughs> okay. Let's see if I can remember the chorus. It's actually a song. The challenge was to write a song that honors the Jewish people. And it took me a few months to write it. Really? My brother helped me out, Rabbi Manus Friedman. And uh, I think we, well, this is the chorus. So with all my heart and soul, let me honor you. A gentle people with a faith of steel. You teach the world how to live and how to give and how to believe. If I could look into your heart, I would see the face of God. You have weathered all the storms, they've all come and gone. You are the unsung heroes of the world. And you were born of ancient days and you will go on and on and on and on. I've seen miracles before, but the greatest of them all is you. My fellow Jew. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> you can all sit down now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was really beautiful. And what kind of reactions do you get to that song? Well, the emails and the letters are um, quite satisfying. Really? Yeah. Because people who are in a hospital, people who are going through certain challenges in life, and they, they listen to a song like this where um, the other stanzas, I say, you know, we're, we're still here despite 2,000 years of, of exile, and we should have long been gone, and, you know, we're here, and we're strong, and we're growing, and we have dreams. And it gives people a lot of encouragement to face the challenge, whatever they're going through, whatever that may be. And uh, it's been a very satisfying response. Thank you. No, Rommel, the Alter Rebbe, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, said that song is like the pen of the soul. What is the secret of the power of song? Why is it that you get up there and you could say or sing the same song over and over again, something that somebody might have heard on the radio or through a CD hundreds of times before, I get up, if I would give this sermon twice in a row, I would lose my job. So, and you get up and you sing it. What's the power of, of this song, of your voice? 
That's a $12 million question. <laughs> what how, is it? How am I what is it? To know? I don't know. <laughs> I, I have enough a hard time singing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, you must have thought about well, it. I mean, why are you able to get there? And have, why does it penetrate so deeply into a person? Well, the Baal Shem Tov, Baal Shem Tov said that up in heaven there are many gates. And each gate has a key. But you have to know which key goes to which lock, which could be a challenge up there. However, he says, there's one master key that opens up all the locks. And that is the key, the power of song. The power of a nigun has the ability to open up gates and locks that are otherwise locked. What is the secret? I would imagine that words on a certain level are very limiting. Words sometimes are not enough. You know, sometimes the expression, I have no words, you know, when you have no words, you got to turn to a song. When words won't do the job, a song can do the job. So even though many songs have words, but because it's with, it's with the addition of a melody to it, mm-hmm. with a nigun, as you said, which comes from the soul, that touches people on, on the soul level. So when souls connect, you know, there's, there's nothing, nothing stands in the way. I think it must be a proof that God must have made this actually part of the makeup of a human being. That, that a song has that ability to it's pierce mirac- so deep. It's a great miracle, no question it about is. it. It is. It's really, it's an incredible thing. Yes. Speaking of piercing deep, can you tell us a couple of stories of one-on-one type of encounters that you've had where you really felt there was a, oh a soul connection there, there was a, you were able to, to touch somebody. You know, we, in, in Labavitch, in the world of Chabad, we talk about a shlichut, about fulfilling a purpose, about being able to spread, to sharing, reaching sharing, out, reaching out lift, lifting people's lives and affecting their lives. You do that in a massive scale as a shliach of the Rebbe, how do you do that? Or, 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 getting back to what, what situations have you been able to do that? Again, it's a very humbling question because there are many, many stories. The one that comes to mind was um, several years ago, I went to Israel and I had a show there in Haifa. And I'm at the hotel room two, three hours before the show and the phone rings. Somebody's on the other line Mr. Freed, there's somebody in the hospital who's been in a coma for 10 days. He's got a wife and six little children and the wife is pregnant with him. Would you come and just sing for this man in the hospital? So about a half hour later, I was at the hospital. And that was in the beginning. Nowadays, I visit hospitals quite often. Really? To, yeah. To visit children and at least once a week I get a call, come sing for this sick child. Well, when you see the effect child. that you can have, it's probably well, so it's hard to, gratifying. I really feel that the gift of singing is really for these children. And the concerts and you know the money that I make on the side, that's all gravy. But the gift to come into a hospital room and cheer up a family and cheer up a, a child who is suffering from a terrible illness, that's, that's really my, my gift. That's my, um, that's great. my great merit. Anyhow, so I come into this room and I'm shocked by all the machines he's, he's tied up to and then the family sitting there. and He didn't know what's going on. He was in a coma for 10 days. The doctor said he'd never come out of it and he'd be a vegetable if he did. So I figured, I'll sing something. You know, so I got as close as I could and I started singing. This was a Thursday night. I did the show, flew home for Shabbos. Sunday morning, I called his wife on the cell phone. I figured, you know, everyone has cell phones in Israel. I called the wife and I say, Nu, Michal, tell me some good news. She says, good news? Talk to my husband. She gives him the phone, and he was, his voice was very hoarse and, and low. And he says to me, um, 
I know you were here. Thank you for coming. And I hope to see you again under happier circumstances. A few months later, I was back in Israel for another show. And they surprised me. They came, the husband and the wife, came to visit me at the hotel that I was staying. I came into the hotel and I said, Yossi, that's you. He looked great, you know, it's wonderful. He sat down, he says, listen, you have to listen to what I have to tell you. He says, 10 days, I didn't hear anything while I was in that state of mind. However, when you sang me that song, me and my friends that were up there in this place with a great light, I heard you singing. Really? And you, I pulled my soul back into my body. Unbelievable. I'm sitting there and saying, are you talking to me? You know, so we're still in touch. That's incredible. They had a baby and they named the baby then, you know, a a great name for thanking God for the miracle. And whenever I'm in Israel, we try to get together and and, uh, keep in touch. So this, and this was, by the way, a month later in the newspaper, one of the big Israeli newspapers, they interviewed and they wrote about stars, sports stars, singers, actors who have brought back people from the dead. And basically like that. And I was the lead story <laughs> with this with this Yossi Cohen. With this that's man. beautiful. So that's, you know, what can I say? That's I mean, nice. I had nothing to do with it. I, I sang him a song and he heard me and you know, I, we got I, connected. I, I have to give you credit though because you know, there are a lot of people who who could take that gift and could get a big ego out of it and could really feel like, uh, oh, listen, you know, God gave me this so I can make lots of money and do it. I know you do a lot of tzedakah, you do a lot of charity concerts, and you do a lot of, of things that really sh- show that you have that appreciation. And I know that uh, That's what it's all know, about. people know you know that it doesn't go to your head. And I don't know how you do Not that. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> Another 20 years, maybe. <laughs> I know how you do that, but uh, that's a different story. I'm sure you have a, a good mentor who helps you to keep in, keep yourself in place, keep your ego in place. But well, I think we had the same mentor. <laughs> and uh, he made it clear to us that we're here for a reason and not to be selfish. And he taught us what it means to reach out and lift up. And he was a good example, a living that's example right. about every moment was for other people. That's right. You know, the famous story where he came home one, one afternoon and his wife was sitting in the backyard on a beach chair. So he sat down. After two minutes, he says, okay, vacation's over. <laughs> that was it, you know. In 40 years, he took a two-minute vacation. <laughs> so um, he taught us well. And uh, I think, you know, the gift of sharing and, and reaching out to people. And that's why, to me, it's so important when I get an email or I get a phone call where someone will say to me, you know, you saved, you, you, you helped me out of this. You know, that was a great story of taking someone out of a coma. But a letter from a young boy who says to me, you know, my life was a little bit shaky here and there, and I heard your song, and this message was great, and it gave me a focus in my life. That's just as special to me. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Speaking of the Rebbe, I know the Rebbe had such a tremendous burning desire for the coming of Mashiach. And I know that as an artist and as a singer and a a believer in in everything the Rebbe stands for and everything the Torah stands for, many of your songs also, they they stress the tremendous cheshek and the the desire for seeing a better world, for seeing a a time of peace, a time of tranquility, a time where wars will be no more. And I know you have many songs along that line, and and while the Rebbe was still with us in the physical body, there were many songs that that literally literally energized the Jewish world. It's my favorite subject. It's only one problem. The longer it takes him to come, I'm running out of material. (laughs) You know, how much more can I say? No, so where are you already? Come on down. You know, we're waiting for you. Waiting for Mashiach to come. Yeah. But there's no question that um, there's no no tape and no concert that will go without one or two or three Moshiach songs or talking about him. And, and do you try to inspire him. people with a, a desire for Mashiach, or what, what are you trying to do? Well, in general, when you're up in the concert, what what is your goal? 
Are you getting up there to entertain? You're getting up there to give a message? You want people to come out of there a little bit different, inspired with a different message? I think the message is think positive. Keep, you know, hope and faith, and um, we're going to pull through this. That's really, and and I think music has the power to do that. but it must Hang be difficult there. for you also. It's I'm very sure, difficult. I'm sure you know, people think it's so dramatic and glamorous, a person no. traveling over the world. I mean, you're going from one place to another, from one airport to another, and you're singing and you're giving the message. But a lot of it's not on that personal level, so it's a job in a certain way like, like anybody has a That's job. True. And then there's a, the constant challenge of making sure that you're, you keep up that energy to be able to energize others. And it's a big responsibility. Just as, for instance, for anybody in a position whether it be a teacher or, or somebody who's, who's looked up to? Well, that's why they say the show has got to go on. You know, I must tell you something. Yes. In the last year or so, the last couple of years, with what's going on in the Holy Land and not very good things happening to the Jewish people on a global scale. Yeah, we're in a rough time. And I must tell you, I find it challenging sometimes to get out there on the stage and really get into it. I'm not in the mood. I'm depressed sometimes before a show. If that morning there was an attack or people got you know killed and shot and blown up and children are being... You know, I'm, and, o- I'm also you. You have to get up there. And, and I got to get up there and put on a show for them. You know, and right. smile and say, "Okay, everything is peachy fine." You know, it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. And sometimes in the beginning. So what gets you to do it? The people. Really. I'll come out there sometimes, and I'll, I'll feel like I'm struggling, like I'm not connecting. You know, it's not happening. But as you know, usually a show is about two hours. So I got two hours to get warmed up. You know, <laughs> usually after 15, 20 minutes, with the music and the people singing and and. It sort of breaks through that cloud. It just, it just does. And by the end of the show, after being drenched and wiped out, after two hours of constant energy, it's very rewarding for people to come over and say, you know, you gave us a little, uh, not, not just a, a, a break from the, from the world news, but you gave us a little more encouragement to walk back out into the world and fight on and walk, walk tall. Do you ever go out to a place where you're invited for a concert and you're in front of a crowd and they have no idea who you are? It could be maybe 50 people in the middle of Nigeria who, who never heard of Avram Fried, and you're doing this concert, and you're really trying to break through. You know, so a lot of times you can count on the fact that you have a reputation that precedes you. But does that ever happen when you go to these small little places and just have to start from scratch? You know, I can't recall the last time that happened. So usually it's big concerts and big places. Usually it's people that, that know me, and they have my tapes, and they know my songs. I can't even recall the last time I went to a place, and I said, Avram who? You know? <laughs> So I guess that's which, good news. I which song do you good. find of all your songs from the 24 albums that hit people the most, that, that, that dug in and that you got the nicest reaction to? Well, my first English song that I released some 22 years ago was called No Jew Will Be Left Behind, which at that time I was standing by a Fabrengan with sure, the river. Sure. And he kept saying that no Jew will be left in exile because otherwise we're an incomplete people and everyone has to be accounted for. And I said, hey, that's a great line for an English song. Can you sing that? No. <laughs> no Jew will be left behind. And uh, so that was, that was a very, uh, by the way, the words 20, are 22 years the words later, are very, that very song powerful. is still very, very, very really? powerful. Very powerful. Yeah. And then the song we just saw. And the together, I just song. want to explain for people, no Jew will be left behind, meaning when Mashiach comes, yes. that we believe that every person, whether they identify strongly, they're affiliated, not affiliated, the labels don't make any difference whatsoever. We will all come to Jerusalem together united under one banner in order to be able to make sure that this world is the type of world God wants it to be. To complete people. Right. Which, yeah. unfortunately, through these many hard and bitter years of exile, we have not had the opportunity to be yet. That's why I had the song um, Chazak, which, we, which was on the video, 
which again means be strong and, and, and you know, hang in there. And that right now is my most requested song. Really? Chazako, yeah. Yeah, it's By a beautiful far. song. Very By powerful. Far. One last thing. I love stories. If you can give us another story of, again, that's a fascinating story with Yossi, but you one-on-one with somebody, how you touched another life. Do you have another story you can share with us? Huh, i got to think of something. Once a story comes to mind at, after that show in Russia, um, so they were driving me back to the airport, and there was a little boy in the back, maybe six years old, and uh, he's wearing this big Russian you know, fur hat with the earmuffs that come over the ears, and it was right. freezing cold, it was Hanukkah time. And um, I'm saying my goodbyes. I go out of the car, and I'm heading towards the terminal. There's snow all over the place. All of a sudden, I hear this little boy. He says, Avram, Avram. I turn around. He sticks his head out the window, and he says, We want Moshiach now. <laughs> With this beautiful Russian, we want. The whole trip back on the airplane, I'm saying to myself, look, look at this, a little six-year-old kid in Russia. Probably starving. This is 1989, you know. Oh, really? Not too much of a life. And instead of saying, "Hey, take me to America and give me give me the good life," you know, what he wants is one thing. He says, "We want Mashiach now." And that was in 1989. So many years have passed since then, and uh, here we are still singing and praying that we should merit to see that day where our people can can walk tall and not be worried about bombs and explosions and sitting in a pizza shop, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So let's hope that through music and through wonderful programs like yours, we reach out to people and we tell them that, you know, life is worth living and um, life is a song. You well, know, just That's great. Life is a song. I want to thank you very much. And I want My pleasure. To, I hope that you will continue, of course, to use your special blessings to be able to share with others. I must say that in my synagogue, I am known only as the rabbi. Because I have no voice whatsoever. Oh my. If I were trying to get up... Try. Maybe you should try. <laughs> Will you train me? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you, you have probably the biggest challenge of your life. Yeah, I like challenges. No problem. No problem. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, God should give you strength. You. Chazak, Amen. chazak, menis chazak. Amen. All right. In the meantime, I just want to ask everybody, go out there and do a good deed. We have here an example of somebody who has such a special talent. We all have talents. We all have special gifts from God. We all have the ability to dig in deep to be able to do something for another fellow human being or a fellow Jew. And you don't know and can't underestimate the power that you have to be able to touch that individual, your child, your spouse, somebody in your community. Go and do it. Commit a mitzvah. In the meantime, have a great week. We'll see you next week at the Jewish Spotlight. Same time, same station. In the meantime, look up any of your Chabad houses. Call us to find out where they're located. You won't regret it. Shalom. Bye.